0: You're listening to the Mother of All Solutions, stories from mums as they navigate their return to work, with me, Laura Broderick.
1: So I'm Hannah Benius and I'm an a and doctor in the north of England and I'm mum to Esme who is going to be one next
2: week. I'm John Broderick, I'm a lecturer in the School of Engineering at the University of Manchester and I'm Esme's father.
0: Welcome to Mother of All Solutions. Recording tonight from Gamford, County Durham, at my brother and sister-in-law's home. Um, we are sat in their snug, in their living room, um, having had a family afternoon together, which has been lovely. Um, but we want to record this podcast. We've been planning it for a while because Hannah's been on maternity leave and went back to work two months ago. Um, John has also been um, taking quite. proactive approach to um, fathering and parenting and we've got some kind of conversations around how that balance will work in the future that will be really timely and interesting to record so fantastic to have them both available and happy (laughs) to record with us and obviously it's going to be a different dynamic recording with family rather than friends or um, colleagues so I'm looking forward to it and Okay, so for starting, you've introduced yourselves for our listeners, um, let's go into a bit more detail about what that means. Hannah, do you want to kick off about your career and what you do and how you got to that point?
1: Okay, so um, I'm a consultant in emergency medicine working in the North East. Um, I came to medicine um, a bit later in life, having done a different degree first, um, and then I trained up in the North and have qualified as a consultant just over a year ago so Mm. I was working for about four months before I went on maternity leave
0: okay as a consultant as a consultant that's Mm. right yeah but how long had you been in the hospital um so
1: I'm working as a qualified as a doctor um 10 years previously
0: okay it's a long time then to get to consultant level
1: yeah so four Mm. years uh, medical student and then 10 Mm. years training to be a yeah consultant
0: and you said that you did other things first, or, or came to your career later, so what did you do first?
1: I did I did a geography degree okay. first, and then worked for a couple of years um, on a project, a research project that was related to medicine, mm. which kind of convinced me that maybe I wanted to do medicine as a job. Okay. Um, so, yeah, reapplied and went back to medical school mm. in my
0: mid-twenties. Okay, so not too much later but enough later to have got into a kind of stage of graduation yeah. and thinking about yeah, professional think, life and
1: yeah. so when I when I started um started work I was a little bit older mm. than um some of my colleagues mm. and I had a, maybe a little bit more life experience than, mm. than some of them had which I think was probably beneficial I was going to say probably quite useful I think it the was. medical profession yeah, yeah
0: yeah definitely and John what was your what what is your career path what do you do you mentioned on the intro but tell us a little bit more
2: so, I'm a lecturer in the School of Engineering at the University of Manchester, and I got there from a general scientific background. I did a few different yeah. research jobs uh, before I went to Manchester. I went to uh, do my PhD, and I said to myself I was only going to be in Manchester for three years, but I think this is now 12 or 13 years mm-hmm. later. Um, I left to come back and uh, work as a, a secondary school teacher. And then as a researcher in a northeast university. Yeah. Uh, but I found myself returned to Manchester because of the strength of the research group that I'm a part of. Mm.
0: Yeah, you've always spoken highly about your colleague group and the outputs, and yeah. Yeah, yeah
2: it's a very positive um, mm. uh, professional environment.
0: Great. So, and you two together, you're now parents. You've been married for three, four years? Four years, no. Be four years this year. Four years this year. Yeah. And Esme's coming up to one this week. That's right, yeah. Yeah. So, tell me a little bit about how things have shifted what did you do once you became parent did you take parental leave shared parental leave or standard maternity leave how did you organize that
1: so I took um, 11 months of maternity leave Mm -hmm. our plan had been to do um, a shared parental leave that was what we were hoping to do with John um, doing a couple of months of of leave Um, unfortunately because I hadn't been employed by my Trust my hospital trust for mm. um, long enough before I went on maternity leave. That wasn't actually possible, which was a bit of a shame. Mm. Um, I think it was unfortunate because actually I potentially could have come back to work a bit sooner. Yeah. So it actually would have been pen- beneficial for my workplace for me yeah. to have come back sooner. But um, they were the rules,
0: and um, yeah, there was no no budging from that. And the shared parental leave request that you'd hoped for? Was that something you both felt strong about, John? Was it something you'd really been keen on? Or were you like, well, if it could happen, it'll happen, but if it doesn't happen well, or were you kind of quite...
2: Yeah, I, I was quite positive about mm. it, um, but we weren't in a position to go into the details mm. of actually how we were going to do it. Because mm. quite early on, we got a no, didn't we?
1: Yeah, quite early on. I think what we'd mm. what we were hoping really was that we would actually be able to overlap our leave mm. um that's what we we, we we hope to do so that, um we could have some time together as a family yeah. before yeah. i went back to work so that was a shame but i think we thought that there was probably a way that we could get around that to still have some time together um with john taking some of his annual leave all in one go over the summer out of university term time mm. so i think i was maybe not as disappointed as we might have you had a backup we plan. we had a bit of a
0: backup plan okay. yeah. mm-hmm. so you worked around the backup plan you had a special family time together like an extended holiday rather than shared parental leave so you did that um, obviously, well not necessarily obviously but you have said John you work for University of Manchester and Hannah's mentioned she's in a North hospital so there is a difference geographically in terms of your workplaces and um, so now you're back at work and huh? you've been back at work two months. So as we went into she went to, to, nursery. to mm. nursery.
1: Yeah. So we, we have um, just to give a bit more sort of background, mm. I guess. So yeah, we have a complicated um, kind of setup, I suppose, in that um, obviously I'm working shifts um, and John is working um, less than full time. But two of those days are in a yeah, different side of the country. Mm. So um,
0: that is make, presents a more complicated um, <laughs> scenario. And even pre kids, you were already having to juggle that a wee bit, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Esme is now here in childcare. You've gone back full time, Hannah. So talk me through how do shift patterns even work in hospitals, like, or how do they work specifically for A and E, or is it standard across all hospitals? No, shifts? it's it's the, the different areas of medicine work in, in different ways. Mm. Um,
1: in A and E, we have yeah, a much more. It's a shift. Um, shift based pattern of, of working mm. um, we have a number of consultants we have over 20 consultants so we have a 21 week rolling rotor. Okay. so all of those 21 weeks are different um, and I've come back full time which um, essentially um, because of the number of, I still do night shifts I do a lot of weekend and evening shifts and on calls where I have yeah. to be available overnight, um, it means on, actually on average probably do three clinical shifts a week okay and roughly how many hours is a clinical shift um so they vary but on average 10 hours so it's a long shift yeah it's quite a long shift and a lot of those are in the evenings or yeah. as i said um i have to be i do an evening shift until midnight and then i have to be available within sort of 20 mm. minutes to be back in the hospital um until late in the morning so in reality that means i have to stay overnight okay. so that obviously presents a um an issue with childcare,
0: because if john's working in manchester then he mm. will stay overnight mm-hmm. and you always have one night in manchester each week john or is it very yes, so
2: one night so i do two consecutive days at the university and all of my teachings mm. arranged over two days yes okay so that i only have to spend one night in manchester okay
0: but so you could do your research from home or from a library or from another location yeah. potentially so there is some flexibility within that So, Hannah, you mentioned the shift patterns changing. So, how's that worked with you both finding childcare and balancing with John's hours? And
1: so, we've had to be really, really organised. I think that's the main Mm. thing that we um, we've we've picked up. Online calendars. Yeah,
2: I don't know how how anyone did it without.
1: Yeah. So yeah, we we totally have to share our calendars. Mm. Um, The good thing is that with this twenty-one week rolling rotor, I know what I'm doing well in advance. So we have to just be able to to plan um I have swapped some shifts where I know John's Mm. going to be in Manchester um and other times we have got basically family involved so my mum has come up on quite a few occasions where's she coming up from she comes from Cambridge Mm. um but it's fine she's happy to come up with enough notice she comes up for a couple of days um so when we need we get family involved Mm. but it's unfortunately we're not in a position to have families they're not that close um to be able to kind of be emergency um it still has to be organized it has to be well organized Mm. yeah basically so we've uh, we found a nursery that's quite flexible yeah so because my um working shifts change every week they're happy to be flexible um and we change on a a weekly basis but again giving them lots of notice so that that's worked out really well and what's, um, what are their hours? What can they offer you in terms of hours? So the core hours are 8 till 5.30. Okay. But we can, um, on request, do 7.30 till 6. Okay. At extra
0: cost. Um, so that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, do they that. have other kids from medical families that the... Yeah, there's definitely one mm. of the family. In fact, we found out about the
1: nursery via um, a friend who's also a colleague. Mm. Um, and she... But, yeah that told us that it was good nursery that it yeah. was, was flexible um and we've so far it's been working out really well they've been yeah. really they're really helpful, and I think we would really struggle if we had to have fixed days in nursery yeah,
0: no, I can imagine that would have just not because yeah. I imagine you looked into maybe you didn't, but I imagine you did looked into what other colleagues had been doing, you mentioned you knew about this nursery through yeah. someone at the hospital but I imagine people would use nannies, child yeah, minders, because obviously it's potential for like longer hours, different drop offs. But the fact that you found a nursery that could replicate that in some way. Yeah. I
1: think um a, a number of my colleagues, um, particularly if they're both medical, um, mm. have nannies. Mm. Um, because that's that's the only way that they can um they can manage their, their shifts. Double the hours, yeah. yeah. Um but I mean that seems seems to work quite well. Mm. Work quite well for them. But so far I think we're I'm really, that's one
0: aspect of, 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 I think things are really working quite well. Mm. It's
2: been good that she's settled as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a bit more about that. So Esme's been in nursery for two months now. She has, yeah.
1: And how's that gone? It's been great, actually. (laughs) And I think that was one of the things when I was going back to, um, thinking about going back to work that I wasn't that worried about because Mm. she's basically been a really sociable, child um who, you know, spent quite a lot of time right. with grandparents and um is, you know, happy being away from us. Okay. So there were a number of things that mm. I was worried about before I went back to work, which I'm sure we'll we'll cover. Mm. Um but Esme going to nursery actually was not one of the things. I was worried that we wouldn't be organised enough and <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, she might be unwell and we'd we'd
0: we'd really struggle but
2: or we'd forget the nappy bag.
0: Yeah. So the practicalities of just getting her there and getting a kind of routine of being in the nursery system has settled really quickly. yeah that's yeah. Really
1: good we just i think p- realized pretty quickly that we just have to be yeah, really organized mm. to make sure that things are ready the night before um that we you know i check every week what days we've booked her into nursery who's gonna, who's going to be where <laughs> just to make triple sure checking exactly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. just to make sure that we're all um getting everyone in the right place at mm. the right time with what they the equipment, the equipment mm. they need um so yeah, it requires organisation, but it's so yeah. far
0: we've um, that's that's been working pretty well. So it's fantastic she settled. So tell me about your settling, Hannah. How's it been going back to work the past two months? Talk me through the first month because probably this month's been different <laughs> yeah, to the first month. Yeah. So
1: let's talk about that. Um, the first month, I think actually has gone better than I thought. Okay. Um, I was was quite worried about going back. Um, n- my main concern was just having been off work for 11 months and mm. then coming back to do a job, which is quite demanding. Very. Um, yeah. There's quite a lot of practical skills involved yeah. still. So I was worried um, that I might have, you know, lost some of those okay. those skills. Um, and, they were, yeah, they, that was my, my main concern, really. Mm. Um, but actually, I think I'm kind of a fairly practical person, so mm. I didn't really want to spend too much time... Worrying mm. about it, so instead, you know, I spoke to colleagues who've come back off maternity leave, you know, found out what helped with them. Mm. Um, I did quite a lot of sort of online learning, okay. Um, I went on a few courses, and um, we've got there's a really good Facebook group actually, like Medic Mums Facebook group, and I got quite a lot of tips on kind of how to organize yourself and you know.
0: Is that UK-wide yeah. or is that specific to your trust? No, or... no it's a UK-wide one. Oh, um, so it's a lot—a big community. It's a big community, yeah. Mm. And
1: um, everyone, mm. you know, encountered problems. But there was a lot of solutions that came out of that, which mm. I found really useful. But the main thing, you just realised that everybody was kind of muddling their way through. And mm. everyone was struggling at times. Um, mm. But that, that I found that useful support. Um, and then... I also found it really useful that I'd stayed in contact with the department while I was off. Okay. Made a conscious decision not to just turn my emails off and just not have any contact. Mm. Carried on doing a kind of a side project, which was a workplace mental health and wellbeing. Fantastic, yeah. Um, and so I think because I'd had contact with the department and um, hadn't been completely sort of isolated from them, it meant coming back was mm. easier,
0: I think. And they were responsive to you still, maintaining that contact or did you feel like they were like oh should we do this because she's officially on maternity leave or or how did how did that dynamic work because I can imagine I mean I personally felt like I was left out of a few things whether it was social stuff like not being invited to the Christmas party or the website changes being made that I'm sure was like a completely comms rationale to not still have me listed on the Mm -hmm. website but personally I took that like oh they've forgotten about me and this is I mean it's an interesting dynamic because the employers probably got their own perspective on that whereas if you're on maternity leave you're maybe a bit your emotions are a bit heightened yeah, to I think perception of you and your
1: role totally and I think um I think my um kind of clinical director was you know very conscious that he didn't want to be contacting me mm. um while I was off as you know kind of realised that, you know, that there was boundaries there. Mm. But I think once I had been in contact myself and was saying, I want to carry on doing this, and I yeah. was coming in and um, and seeing people um, and replying to some emails, I think people felt happier. Mm. You know, there, no one asked me to do anything that yeah. um, I didn't you want to do. comfortable with No, it. not yeah. at all. Um, and we also, as well as, I was sort of periodically checking my emails, but we have a consultant WhatsApp group, mm. which I muted, but I mm. was still dipping of, in it yeah in so I okay. felt I knew what was going on in the department and I totally appreciate that that would not be what mm. everyone would want to do and a lot of people just do not want to be kind of bothered or involved whilst mm. they're on maternity leave and I completely
0: understand that but personally I wanted to continue yeah. to be involved and the mental health side project was that something you'd started pre-maternity and therefore it was a natural continuation yeah or did, yeah yeah, okay. yeah it, it
1: was um and actually being able to do bits of that whilst I was away, mm. it, was, it was you know, it was it was good because I didn't have any mm. of the other pressures of, of the job, so I could I could kind of carry on with that. Mm. So yeah, there's something that I have a particular interest in, um, so I was sort of pottering on with that while I was off, and yeah. i
0: continued. Continued when I'm back. Hmm. So you've been back two months full time in this complicated shift pattern. Yep. And um, how did you reach that decision about going back full time? Because obviously it's working you're saying the balance you've got to be super organized was it a financial judgment or was it a professional judgment or within your seniority of your role you don't really get much choice in how you go back or
1: no I sorry, I think um I certainly could have come back less than full time if I wanted to mm. um but this the way that um my rota is organized and the, the department is organized um meant that I you know I wasn't doing Monday to Friday, nine to five. Mm. It was going to average out probably about three sessions or three days a week, mm. so that I knew I wouldn't be in the department every day. Mm. So I could probably look after Esme two days a week. So I felt that it was probably manageable to come back full time okay. with that pattern. And I'd seen my colleagues who also have children who were managing that, um, so I felt that was probably probably doable. Mm. But knowing that if it wasn't going to work working out, then I probably could
0: reduce my hours. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nothing's yeah. forever, is it? Like, I mean, you you, yeah. you make these decisions, but of course you can, you can readdress yeah, change, or yeah. Or re-balance.
1: I think John. I think you also. Um, we knew that you weren't full time, mm-hmm. and um, I suppose there was a possibility that you might be able to drop your hours potentially, or we we there was you know alternatives.
2: Yeah. If it wasn't working out, then you know consider a, a different request of my mm. employers
0: and how's it been going then because obviously this past well particularly this past week but this past month medical profession has been um more pressured than ever is that we're not more pressured than ever that's maybe
1: no i think you're right i think (laughs) i think it's true so we're you know we're already um under pressure i think everyone probably seen in the news um Mm. particularly in terms of any targets and things um but we just had an added layer of um of a pressure now with um coronavirus mm. um which is in the last week has really changed the way that we are certainly organizing our department mm. and i think is likely to have some impact on our working um working lives and on on how we've organized our rota mm. so there is the potential that we are asked to come and work for three or four days in a row mm. and stay overnight potentially, yep. or we might choose to do that in terms of reducing the risk of infection mm. transmitting to our families. Um, a lot of the non-essential stuff, I think, is probably going to be cancelled, so we will be actually in the department working in a high-pressure high environment mm. on a more regular basis, so less downtime than we have currently. Mm.
0: And that's obviously something, three months ago, the month before you were about to go back, you had no way of anticipating. and. No. So yeah. um, so here you are. You've had a month to settle. Esme's doing well. Yeah. 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 seems to be. Yeah. Generally, you've gone back to work. It sounds like you've got quite a supportive setup. You've kept in touch with people, so it's not been too stressful. But now this is like a whole new level of operational yeah. at work and at home. Yeah, definitely. And the podcast is about considering those. Balances between that. Have you and and John come in as well? Have you had to start trying to map out different scenarios or think about extra childcare or think about how you can engage with? Yes yeah, on a different level
1: We ab- absolutely have had to, yeah, mm. definitely. Um, so you know, there's a strong possibility that nurseries and schools may end up being shut. Mm. So we have to think about um what do we do in that case mm. um and how we yeah, how we organise that. I think we because we have a lack of sort of local um family mm. a potential help, um, and the fact that John obviously has to go to Manchester to work we will probably really struggle.
2: Well, Mm. but the university uh, is looking at delivering most teaching online through this period, which may change requirements a little bit.
0: Yeah. Are you nervous about it?
2: Uh, No, I um, have been quite an enthusiast for, not specifically for the online teaching, but for the use of remote participation and Mm. video conferencing facilities to reduce the need to travel for academic purposes. Okay,
0: so that's been your initial motivator around that. Okay,
2: And so I think, um, I was thinking about some of these um, ways of working Mm. uh, for minimising the climate impact of our professional lives. Mm. Uh, And I think many of the technical skills and practical skills and the social etiquettes that we need to develop um, will become um, yeah more practiced mm. um, through these particular circumstances, so I think mm. is some something of an an opportunity. I hope people don 't have uh, negative experiences of remote working in the short term. I hope that there's mm. uh, lots of help and support available from employers to make sure that we have uh, mm. yeah, good quality remote engagement
0: mm. and I think probably from my perspective. I obviously work fewer hours than both of you, but remote working is a possibility, but the level of potentially me having a six-year-old and then maybe a two-year-old at home with me, then remote working becomes not necessarily about the technology, but it becomes about the viability of being at home with kids. And
2: I, Yeah, I think it'd mm, be very hard to do childcare and remote working. Yeah. I don't think that's... Uh, no, no, no. No.
0: No. Well, this is like a whole another layer, isn't it? But... Um, so you're championing remote working in general, John. It's going to be amplified a lot. Um, you're having to think about that, but any other things you're having to plan for or put in place? or Obviously, grandparents are going to be the most susceptible to
1: yeah, totally. the so virus. Think... So it's, it's oh. not
0: always like I can just call on...
1: Exactly. So definitely you're concerned um, in terms of grandparents, not only being able to call on them to come up here, for example, mum would use the train to come up, um, and that's not ideal. And also they are um the group of the population that we'd be most worried about mm. um if they did get um coronavirus we would probably be okay. Mm. Children don't seem to be particularly affected, but they could certainly um pass it on to grandparents. Mm. Um so we're really you know, making plans to try and keep them as safe as possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a shame we're not as close by to <laughs> help each to other out. Yeah. yeah, to just bung all the kids together. And... I know. Yeah. Well, I think um, mm. I've already nominated John to potentially run a crash for a medic children mm. <laughs> in the area so that we can keep on working. Um, but yeah, it is a real worry. And I think mm. um, a lot of people who are in my situation are worried about bringing the virus back to our families yes so taking quite a lot of precautions obviously at work we're taking um you know a lot of precautions but Mm. you know coming back and um showering and washing your clothes before you actually you know Mm. go through the house and 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 see your children or partner
0: Mm. um which is kind of sort of big big step up definitely and it sounds like the mental health project you started within the kind of colleague group and it's going to be even more important than ever because like you're going to be even more at pressure and yes, although yeah.
1: although the things I've been talking about seem like they're really trivial compared to all the changes that we we've been making in the mm. last few days, actually the the information we're getting from the healthcare workers mm. who've been in Italy and in China mm. is that this is you know this is going to have a massive impact on mental health of course Um, it is working in really stressful situations um and just heightened levels of anxiety all the time Mm. so yeah this work project that i've been doing Mm. actually um rather than kind of putting on the back burner i'm actually now trying to escalate things Mm. so that we can get some provision um some psychological support Mm. in our department which would you know be i think was going to be really important Mm,
0: definitely Mm -hmm. Well, good luck, Hannah. I just, like, I feel like you've started something brilliant and it's just a shame that it's, like, all come at once with you settling. It's, like, quite lucky you had that month before this yeah I think if I was coming <laughs> if I was coming back this month yeah. I think it would be
1: yeah Just it, would, it would, yeah, absolutely yeah um, at least I've had a month to settle in yeah um I'm happy that Esme's you know happy nurse we, yeah. we've um we've kind of got a good uh, rhythm rhythm mm. yeah um in terms of you know how we organize things mm. um so yeah I think you know we're probably
0: in as good a place as we could mm. be to manage these quite challenging circumstances yeah and then within organisations, it's something I would like to have a specific interview about. So don't feel you've got to answer this in full. Um, but around support from, say, unions or um, like parent groups, not just a kind of mental health working group, you know, like kind of within bigger organisations. Because obviously with working within a health trust, working within a university, you know, you don't get much bigger in terms of workplaces to support employees hopefully like whether there is and again don't feel you have to say much on it but whether you feel there is something that could really be done from those aspects as well or whether it is just within your own employee circles and with your own line management and that you just have to work through this and make it good (laughs) yeah I think
1: I think I've certainly felt like it I've I've had to make my own kind of plan Mm. um I think that my department is really supportive um, however, I wouldn't say on a bigger scale the organisation is particularly. I think we're probably much better in our profession at looking after our trainees.
0: Mm.
1: So in the region, there's a really good scheme for trainees who are coming back to work in any. and mm. um, There's courses and um, kind of training days that are provided. Mm. So I think we're much better at that. But mm. I wouldn't say I've had much support from... My organization mm. just on, but
0: I have on a departmental level mm. so John your contract at Manchester, um you've got some flexibility within that role there's a an official flexible arrangement is yeah. that correct?
2: so I have a flexible working agreement mm. that uh, my teaching is scheduled over two days of the week, mm. so that means that I only actually need to be to stay in Manchester one night a week so I leave early one morning and get back late the next evening Mm. Um, and all my uh, lecturing and seminars are within that they're
0: condensed in that yeah Mm.
2: Um, and then the rest of the week uh, is uh, largely self-directed that's uh, my research isn't primarily within a laboratory it's done written or in computers or Mm libraries or stakeholder work uh, where I go out to different organizations mm. or go to a conference or a government department or, or something else yeah. but it's not physically within the uh, or ne- not necessarily within the, the university Manchester building. university environment so what what that means for us is that um, if I'm working from home I have the ability to be able to drop Esme at nursery and pick her up in a fairly traditional standard standard hours hours. of nursery okay even though my workplace is a 100 miles from where the nursery is
0: okay i think it's really interesting just to like through doing these interviews talking to people with completely different professional spheres and seeing what what support is there for them or how much is down to individuals and their own momentum and their own organizational skills and their own yeah now we do within the interviews ask people to kind of relate i was about to say relate rate their balance on a scale of 1 to 5 so sort of 5 feeling like the most positive about where you're at with things and how everything's flowing and then 1 being the least i think with you guys because you are in a, a particularly complicated or you're about to be, come into a particularly complicated phase of organisation maybe you could give a rating for <laughs> how what? you thought things were yeah like, um, two weeks ago yeah. and then maybe what you think it's going to be like in two weeks. So,
1: yeah, I think if we if we took away the coronavirus yeah. um, aspect and I look back in or two yeah, two weeks previous, I'd probably say about four. Four, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly can't say what it's going to be like in two weeks' time. I think having come back from work yesterday night, I'd probably say we're down to about two.
0: Um, um, however,
1: I would say the really good thing is that I know in terms of the support I've got at home, is um, great. Yeah. So it, we will we will make we're talking a plan. About John here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about
0: John. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, and John, would you agree with Hannah's rating? Yeah,
2: I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Yeah. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think we're quite good at we're, working together to make a plan.
2: I think we'll we'll make it work. I don't know if that sounds a bit overconfident, but I think we're a pretty good team. And I think we're pretty determined about things.
0: Mm.
2: Um, so, in whatever way we can, we'll make it happen mm. as best we can.
0: No, I'm sure you yeah, will. Well. It's
1: unpredictable times, unfortunately.
0: Yeah.
2: Which,
1: yeah, it's, we, I think it's, it's frustrating that I think we had a good. We had a good plan. Yeah. It all seemed <laughs> to be going quite well, and um, we just circumstances beyond our control have
0: have have made things more difficult keep reassessing and Yep. Yeah. You've stocked up on wine and baked beans and, and all those things. Why? I don't know why I picked up beans. things. <laughs> Biscuits. Toilet paper.
2: Washing up liquids.
0: <laughs> so we're all good here in Gainford. Yeah. <laughs> and um, something else I'm interested to know is about like role models and people that have supported you or you've kind of sought advice from. So I wondered if you might want to nominate somebody. I've probably
1: used my one of my colleagues
0: Mm.
1: um who's also a good friend Mm. but she came back from her second lot of maternity um a couple of months before me Mm. um also having you know works in emergency medicine um and i've really used her as a source of um support i think because it's you know it's it's a Mm. job which is is maybe not standard in terms of the hours and the Mm. working um kind of yeah working conditions um I found it really useful to have someone to speak to who had, who, who had been
0: through the same circumstances it's
1: who knew specific, what it was like really yeah, yeah. and mm. I, I found a lot of the generic
0: stuff probably just wasn't that relatable yeah so you're like not a typical office environment. fire yeah, yeah. <laughs> so
1: um I don't want to keep banging on about how what a difficult job it is, but it's um it's just it is different and mm. so having someone who'd been through that experience um that yeah
0: that was really useful Mm. thanks maz <laughs> <laughs> hi maz <laughs> and john is there anyone you've sought? i've she... taken
2: my lead from hannah yeah she's uh the most on top of it person uh, that i know
0: that's fantastic that's how it should be
1: right um i was i would just mention there what about your um your mountain biking buddies who've got kids do you know think i i feel that you've
0: possibly had some support from them but
2: they're idiots. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if the mountain, so Maz, fantastic mountain bike buddies. um, If you are listening, we all think you're fantastic, even if John won't admit it. <laughs> well, I've,
2: I've self-confessed I've, idiots. I've
0: appreciated, I think, hearing
1: by you what how what some of them have done. Um,
2: I think they're all very practical people who make things work. Yeah, I think yeah. it's it's an an approach.
0: Okay. Mm. And well, that's when. I said to Owen about this podcast series, and we were talking about like the focus, and was it all people that had had difficulties, and then, and we were like, actually, no. Solutions are really important because it has to be something positive as well. It has to be where have people got to, yeah. however complicated it might seem at first. You can, you can find the mother of all solutions. You and can. The thanks, Anna. <laughs> it's
2: a negotiation as well it's Mm. like you don't get everything your own way and Mm. don't set out trying to get everything your own way Mm. just figure out a way that is fair and is going to work and Mm. is something that can be maintained Mm. it's no good having something that's good for a fortnight
0: Mm. (laughs) this just sounded quite brutal John yeah that sounds a bit negative (laughs) does it? yeah it did a bit Okay. Go on, Hannah. You know John better than me now, so you can yeah. like temper that with something. What John was meaning to say is like you can. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I think. Uh, what were you saying about?
2: Well, so there's two points flexible. I make is the first is that it has to be uh, you, you don't you're never going to get everything your own way. True. So you yeah. have to be prepared to compromise
1: and be and be flexible and be flexible.
2: Yeah. Um, and whatever you decide as a solution has to be. Uh, robust so it's not just something yeah. that works for a, a fortnight mm. and then falls, falls apart. apart yeah you want something that you've thought about how it's going to work yeah in the and I,
1: yeah mm. and I, I think you have to have a bit of flex in the system and think about the fact that if someone's sick how does that so,
2: so this is this thing that mm. if something is kind of like optimized and rung to the nth degree so that you're getting the most that you can Mm. out of a system or a set of circumstances then that means there's no slack and there's no spare Mm. so when something changes or goes wrong Mm. then you're in bother so in a way there has to be a certain inefficiency for there to be spare capacity Mm. uh, to allow you to um, cope with change.
0: Yeah and if only the hospital systems were run in a similar way. (laughs) that slack of inefficiency that was there yeah yeah
2: yeah That <laughs> allows for flexibility in response yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah i respect that and i get that and i just think it's hard to reach but i think individually we can all start to even if organizationally as hannah said maybe within the hospital scenarios or have you it's harder to have that leadership or momentum i think ultimately we all have to factor that in to our lives to to make it work right and Esme's happy and healthy and beautiful and almost one, which is a massive achievement. So, congratulations on first Thank year you. of parenting. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> had uh, yeah, not
0: too many disasters. No, 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 she's great. And the fact you've got back to work in the role that you wanted to be, and I know it's going to be—I was about to swear—I won't swear—it's going to be really tough. Yeah. Like, you will make it work, and yeah,
1: things. I know, yeah. so. you know pretty privileged to be uh, doing a job, which mm. I, for the most part, enjoy mm. in a department which is really supportive, generally, mm. and well-organised. Mm. Um, you know, I think that's that's a massive bonus. Mm. And to have a very supportive family
0: mm-hmm. mm.
1: and husband.
0: <laughs> I thought you were about to say aunt-in-law, so I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Th- <laughs> She's a husband and family. yeah, And you've mentioned a fantastic career in general obviously where do you go next it's been a while to get to consultant point just because that's the nature of training in this field. retirement, retirement. <laughs>
1: counting down to uh, what is it going to be 80
0: i was going to um, say i think officially on paper it's like 68 yeah, it's for us though, isn't it great, yeah. is it even later for or you like the police force you get to retire a bit earlier or I
1: think we should but no unfortunately (laughs) we we don't Um, but um, yeah so I guess it's just um, expanding the role taking on Mm. more um, kind of areas of of
0: specific interest Mm. um, and yeah developing a portfolio Mm. career Great well thanks Hannah for that and thank you John as well it's um, interesting to have been interviewing a sibling um, but I've really enjoyed it and I really appreciate both of you um, opening up to me and telling us more about your scenario and how you've managed it and as practical people obviously you're well equipped to handle the next phase that's going to be particularly difficult but I'm sure together as the good team that you are and the professionals that you are that it'll um, come together and we look forward to just working through this time with you and thank you for your time so you've been listening to Dr Hannah Benius and Dr. John Broderick and me, Laura Broderick on The Mother of All Solutions Thank you for listening
2: You've been listening to The Mother of All Solutions The Mother of All Solutions is produced and hosted by Laura Broderick and edited by me, Owen Wainhouse Music for this episode is Night and Day by Dee Yan Key licensed under Creative Commons by the Free Music Archive.